welcome to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson, and we're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Ashley Carruth at our live storytelling event in August, when the theme was exposure. While Ashley calls the Animus River Valley her home, your best bet in finding her is teaching humanities at Animus High School, co-directing San Juan Mountain Souls, an outdoor education and leadership development organization for high school girls, or coaching mountain biking in Durango. She owns a charming golden doodle named Shane, who suffers from separation anxiety, a disorder that has cost Ashley hundreds of dollars in shredded underwear. Here's Ashley's story. <laughs> I wonder how she, like, what's her underwear budget? <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of dollars, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I teach 11th and 12th grade, and so I'm used to an interactive audience, so if there's some paper airplanes, like, feel free to <laughs> throw them my way. <laughs> um, this is actually a story about fear and anger and the thin line between the two. This story takes place a little over three years ago on a splitter March morning about midway through my spring break from teaching at Animus High School. It also happened to be the anniversary of one of my best friend's death. Travis and I grew up together and shared a passion for the outdoors and teaching. He melded those two passions together when he became an outward bound instructor after college. Perhaps one of the best, but of course I'm biased. And one frigid January night, he and I were skinning up Snowmass Ski Resort. And he told me with this huge beam on his face that he just received his dream job placement, leading a course for outward bound in Patagonia. And he was on top of the world. And uh, two months later, the ground fell out from beneath his feet. Literally, he was crossing a crevasse with three students behind him and a snow bridge collapsed, pulling him down with the fragmented chunks of snow and ice. Um, luckily, the three students landed on solid ground, but Travis never made it out of that crevasse. So it was with Travis's legacy in my mind that I wanted to make the most of my spring break in the outdoors. So I'd spent the first half mountain biking and camping in Moab, and I was going to spend the second half in Telluride backcountry skiing with my Good friend and go-to adventure pal, Rachel Landis. She's a Telluride ski patroller and of course a Knowles instructor. And in addition to being a ripping skier, she's just an all-around badass in the backcountry and the first person I want with me when shit hits the fan. <laughs> so on this splitter March morning, she was chomping at the bit to show me the side country of Telluride. And so we headed up Telluride Ski Resort and out the backcountry gate a Revelation Bowl, which is a ski run on Telluride. And as we left the resort, I kind of cast one longing glance back at the ski resort with a mixture of envy and disdain at the skiers and snowboarders alike who were blissfully sipping PBRs. And I wondered about the second coming of onesies and fanny packs and monoboards <laughs> and spring break holiday here. And uh, while I was amusing myself with my cunning wit, Rachel had already dropped down into Bear Creek and was skinning up to begin our ascent. Um, so I you know, got my button gear and caught up to her and we were skiing K-12, which is a peak located between Telluride and Ophir. And that day we enjoyed perfect spring corn conditions. The sky was blue, the snow was white, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich was, you know, dry. And uh, Rachel and I couldn't stop congratulating each other on our mutual badassness. Like, oh, she's like, girl, you're so hardcore. And I'm like, no, girl, you're more badass. Like, it was adorable, I'm sure. So, you know, we, we, we made our way down over the moraine and into the trees, and as we did so, the creek drainage narrowed, and we found ourselves nestled between these towering granite walls and these steep avalanche paths. And we followed this conglomeration of ski tracks 
um, through the trees and to the edge of a cliff span. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with our better looking, more successful Svelter stepbrother over the hill, AKA Telluride, uh, the Bear Creek hike is a popular two mile hike from town that leads you to this stunning waterfall amphitheater where you'll find locals and tourists alike skipping stones. Uh, but Rachel and I, we're not skipping stones, and I didn't really feel like skipping at all because we were far too close to the edge of this pour-over than I would have liked. So I am, I don't do well with exposure. Steep, side hill, scree slopes, cliff bands, airy ridgelines, these things bring me to my knees quicker than Craig Blackburn dropped to his when I kicked him in the balls in seventh grade or science class because he was blocking the road to my desk. <laughs> As the case were, we were at the edge of this cliff band, and the way we saw it, the only way to get across was to go right over this 80-foot cliff. Um, later, we would have found out that if we hadn't behaved like sheep blindly following these tracks, we could have contoured around the cliff and found a safer line, but the deal was there was a chute, we had to ski down the chute, then there was this ramp that kind of led out across this cliff band and sort of tilted over the edge of the cliff. And at the end of it was this rope that some kind soul had fastened. And Rachel gently explained to me, knowing well my fear of exposure, that what you had to do was just kind of skirt across this ramp, grab the rope tighter on your waist, and lower yourself down the cliff. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so there I was, you know, butterflies turning wildly in my stomach. And it was much like the time when I first slid my ski tips into the starting gate of a solemn course when I was a little girl. And growing up the daughter of a US ski team member, uh, there was no doubt in anyone's mind that I would try my hand at the sport. It was just a matter of when I would fit into my brother's hand-me-down ski boots. And my, my father was cut from the Wyoming cowboy cloth. You might know the kind, kind of stoic, stern, and sometimes surly. And when he ended his ski racing career, he became my brother's and my ski coach. And Ryan was five years older than I, and he, uh, my, my dad used to make my brother and his teammates hike the solemn course at least three times before they could take the chairlift because it built character, damn it. <laughs> and so I remember one vividly one spring day, I must have finally fit into my brother's ski boots because there I was at the starting gate of this training course, steer, staring down this icy, rutted course. And I kind of wondered that maybe it would have been better to stay behind in ski school where they let me take hot cocoa breaks and play in the snow and build snow angels. But the next thing I knew was at the finish line, my goggles kind of like half on my forehead, half on my nose, huge gaper gap, sunburned forehead, swimming in my brother's hand-me-down gloves. And I beamed this toothy grin at my dad and he says, get closer to the gates next time. So I'm like, okay, Dad, like thumbs up, you know, and being six, take off towards the chairlift. And, and he, being stoic, stern, and sometimes surly, asked me where I think I'm going. And I, being six, logically point to the chairlift, and, and he, now kind of teetering on the edge of sometimes surly, shakes his head and points up the hill to where my brother and his teammates had slung their skis over their shoulder and were hiking up to the top of the course. So I grew up learning how to grin and bear it, trying to keep up with the boys, uh, the only emotion I would express that was acceptable was joy, and my biggest fear, aside from failure, was to be seen as weak. So when Rachel slashed some stylish turns down this, this couloir and skirted across the ramp and down the cliff, man, I took a deep breath, patted myself on the back, and said, Ash, you've got this, you're a jungle boss. <laughs> That's another story. but. Uh, and so I, you know, I ski these, these kind of tentative turns and I'm inching my way across this ramp and uh, you know, breathing, breathing, and the tips of my skis get stuck between two rocks protruding from the cliff wall. And uh, this isn't good because the tails of my skis are kind of dangling precariously over the edge of the cliff. And so I reach my pole 
out as far as I can, trying to hook the rope and grab it, grab it into my hands, but I'm just inches shy. And in that moment, I saw Travis falling into the crevasse. And in that moment, I saw myself falling over the edge. And in that moment, I froze. I didn't have this. I was not a jungle boss. Uh, more than anything, I wanted a hot cocoa break and to build snow angels. And Rachel yelled up the cliff to see if I was okay, but her words of encouragement fell on deaf ears, and I felt the fear in the pit of my stomach trying to rise and form a lump in my throat, but I swallowed it down. And then something strange happened. An emotion that I rarely experience covered the fear, and it flashed red hot. <clears throat> and at first, I lashed out at Rachel. What the hell were you thinking? You're the ski patrol. You know that I'm afraid of exposure. Why would you take me here knowing this? And she uh, graciously accepted this with the string of expletives that I threw her way. And then I, re I realized I was kind of being uh, unreasonable, and so I turned that fear onto myself. Ash, suck it up. If Rachel can do this, so can you. Just suck it up. Needless to say, the fear did not unhinge the tips of my skis from those rocks, and Rachel had to climb partway up the cliff and swing the rope over to me so that I could grab it, sling it around my waist and kind of gently lower myself down. And when I got to the bottom of the cliff and skied to safer ground, I collapsed in a puddle of tears and exhaustion. And I cried for Travis, and I cried for big girl 30-year-old Ashley, and I cried for little girl 6-year-old Ashley. And I internalized that day how thin a line there is between fear and anger. And as Rachel sat with me in the wet spring snow with her arms around my shuddering shoulders, letting me cry until I could catch my breath again, I realized that it's only in vulnerability that true human connection can occur. And it took me almost toppling over that wall to learn that lesson. But when we build walls around our fears to protect us from exposure, we build walls between each other. And I may not overcome my fear of exposure in the mountains, but at least I'm more willing to expose my fears. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley, for telling that story. And to hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share the stories with your friends. If you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to ravennarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers and find out what the themes will be at upcoming events. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Special thanks goes to our sound engineering wizard, Mike McAllister, for his technical expertise in recording and mixing the Raven narrative stories told at the Sunflower Theater. Support for the Raven narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com.